Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome along to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. My name is Rudy Barlow. I'm joined by Roman de Arquer after a really fun weekend in La Liga. Um, we've seen quite a few goals in some games. We've seen some uh, interesting results. There's a lot of talking points um, this weekend in Spain. But uh, I think, Roman, and I'll ask you how you are as well to start off with, I imagine quite good because you were at Montjuic on Saturday night to see Barcelona win 5-0 against Manuel Pellegrini's Real Betis. Just how was the mood at Montjuic and how is your mood as a result? <laughs> Well, you can imagine. I mean, with that result, everybody really enjoyed the game. Compared to the previous game against Cadiz, I can tell you can tell there's a big difference in terms of the atmosphere, the amount of people that there was much more people at the stadium. I think there was less tourists maybe because that first game was uh, still in August. A lot of people, I think, still were out of Barcelona. Uh, so I mean, the crowd wasn't the usual crowd. But then in this game, you could feel a different vibe. You know, you could feel more local people. You could feel. Um, even the the stand that's that's were full of people that cheer the whole game, La uh, Grada de Animación, that was full compared to the last game against Cali. So it was good to see a very different atmosphere. And of course, with every single goal, people got more and more hyped up, and it was it was so much fun, you know, to see not just Barca, Barca play well, but also to see people enjoying themselves because it has been a bit of a doubtful start, we could say, to the season for Barca, where they have gotten most of the results they've needed, but still the the football maybe hadn't been as entertaining or as spectacular as people would expect with uh, the squad we have. But now, I mean, this game really confirmed that we can play well and against a decent side like Betis. I mean, we're not talking about a bottom a table at the bottom of the standards. We're talking about a team that's supposedly fighting for Europe and that has uh, a decent squad. So, I mean, it's good to get these results. Yeah, plenty to come. There was a big upset for Atletico Madrid, which we'll come on to. Rafa Benitez uh, set an unwanted record. Real Madrid, Real Sociedad, we'll come on to in the second half of the show, as well as Pacheta's first game in charge of Villarreal. But just sticking with Barcelona, as you say, this was quite a, quite an important performance, I think. I mean, against Cardiff, you say kind of like pre-season kind of feel, they kind of shook that off. I mean, 
there's been doubts about kind of some of the signings and, and the Joao's debut, Joao Felix and Joao Cancelo. Um, just what was it like in person? Because certainly from a distance, it looked like they really improved things for Barcelona. Yeah, I think um, both Joao's were really good, especially I'd say Cancelo was, was very important for us because uh, we've really missed a proper right back for a very long time and having him, you can tell there's a big difference. I mean, uh, his capabilities are much better than the ones maybe Sergio Roberto has or other uh, or Dest or whoever played in the position has, you know. So, I mean, it's, it's really a boost uh, for the team. Uh, he was really good. He got his goal at the end. He was also moving a lot towards the middle, towards the center to combine with the midfielders, providing from there, which was something interesting to see. Not, not as much uh, moving up the wing as maybe you'd have expected at first, but uh, Xavi has other ideas and Cancelo can really uh, adapt to all of these uh, situations, you know, he's got that quality that Barca really needed. And on the other hand, Joao Felix, you could see him trying, you know, I mean, at the beginning, he tried to, to get past a couple of players, it didn't work out, but he just keep kept insisting, and in the end, you know, he started to combine better with his, with his teammates, you could tell he has a different confidence from where he was when he was back at Atletico these last few seasons, and I mean, it paid off with with a good goal and um, I mean it's it's great to have these two players if they can provide at this level I think we're going to have a very uh, strong and deep squad to to face of course La Liga but most importantly the Champions League that's where we need to, really need to step up our level and these kind of players can definitely help with that Yeah as well Felix I thought he kind of missed a couple of passes like you say he failed to get past a couple of players and I think he wasn't necessarily that effective all the time, but just his positioning and his movement, the fact that they had somebody who was willing to receive the ball between the defence and midfield there, somebody to take attention away from Lewandowski effectively, mm -hmm. somebody that Lewandowski could kind of look for around that box really kind of helped them and, uh, and, and made a difference. And it, it was kind of the first kind of time I think we've seen Barcelona play kind of, it wasn't necessarily quite a 4-3-3 because you had kind of, um, on the right wing you had Farhan, you had Balde on the left and you had Cancelo kind of moving into the middle but then also out wide at times um, but it was a departure from that kind of four-man midfield that kind of really kind of set rigid structure which was at least in my view partly in, in order to stop the opposition as much as it was to help Barcelona. Do you think that there's a chance that Xavi now leaves behind that four-man midfield or do you think that it's going to be a game-by-game -game basis or are we still kind of in the testing phase of this new Barcelona in inverted commas? Well, I think Xavi um, is going to adapt a bit depending on the game, um, also depending on how well one formation is working because let's not forget when Xavi came in, he started with a 4-3-3. After a while, he went back to a 4-4-2 because he saw that the team was playing better. Now it feels like maybe this other formation going back to the 4-3-3 helps, even though it isn't purely, as you said, a 4-3-3, because you had, as you said, uh, Joao Felix moving in a lot. Uh, it was mostly Baldi going down that uh, left wing. So, I mean, he was the fullback, but at the same time, he was playing uh, wide open, and then Cancelo was moving inside instead of going through, through the outside, and Ferran was staying a bit more to the right. So, I guess in the end, it comes to a 4-3-3, but it's 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 a bit tricky, because in the sense there's a lot of movements there. And as you said, uh, Joao Felix, I think, has a really important role there, helping out Lewandowski, because we've seen him very lonely up there, trying to hold defenders um, on his own, trying to create maybe uh, occasions out of nowhere, but now he has uh, this guy he can associate with, he can generate. So, I mean, uh, going forward, this looked pretty promising, and we'll see if Xavi, I think he's going to stick to it, at least for, for the upcoming games, because as we saw that it worked really well against a team like Betty. so most likely we'll st still see this formation. But, I mean, I th there surely will be games when we see a 4-4-2, maybe because we have injuries in attacking positions, or maybe because 
he wants the quality of Gundogan, Frankie, Pedri, etc. together. So, I mean, the good thing is that he has the option to choose uh, according to the situations. Yeah, an interesting point to note as well. Uh, Gavi moved back into midfield and was absolutely sensational. It's really, really good kind of uh, dropping back a little bit more rather than being used as that kind of auxiliary fourth, uh, third striker kind of thing. So, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Xavi kind of manages that and constructs that midfield because Oriol Romeo has been very good coming in. Frankie de Jong seems to have kind of set his place in stone, but then Gundogan and Petri also kicking around. So, so yeah, there's lots of options for Xavi now. It's just about finding the one that works best, I guess. Um, just a quick word on Betis. I mean, uh, Lewandowski, you kind of mentioned there, he had to go and said, yeah, okay, maybe we need to play more attacking players. Pellegrini did kind of play things down. If you've read Matt's piece on the Substack, which you which you definitely should go and subscribe and check that out. But Pellegrini kind of played down the fact that he'd said that it would have been irresponsible to sell Luis Felipe, um, their star centre-back. He's gone to Saudi Arabia for 25 million. This game, they started off with Bellerin, Chadi Riyad, who's kind of a young fullback from La Masia too, but making kind of his first appearances. Um, you got um, Mark Bartra in there too, and Juan Miranda. Just how much of a problem is this for Pellegrini? That defensive aspect, this, this that side of things, it looked really kind of vulnerable here. And as much as I quite like them all individually at times as players, and they're not going to face Barcelona every week, it's not a defence that jumps out to me as being particularly solid, Roman. No, absolutely not. And also, let's not forget that the uh, best moment of, of most of these players has already passed, I'd say. I mean, I don't think we're going to see the best version of Bartra or the best version of Bellerin, you know, at this stage in their careers. Um, I think they're useful rotation players. I think uh, Bellerin maybe could be started in, in according to which games. But when you face a team with the attacking potential that Barcelona has, uh, you could kind of feel that this was a bit... Uh, risky, you know, of a move from from Pellegrini, also playing Chadi Riyad, who haven't hadn't had too many minutes, I think, this season so far. He wasn't a starting centre back up on, until now, and he's still, you know, a very uh, he still has a lot to go through a lot of football and La Liga matches to actually uh, develop as a proper centre back. So I mean, coming to to Barca Stadium with that um, defensive line is is an ideal and of course as you mentioned uh, Pellegrini did lose a very important centre back uh, just before the season started and nobody else came in to, to sub in for that position or at least nobody in with his quality so I mean that was definitely probably a bad move from Betis but I guess they must have needed the money or, or whatever and they, they went for it in the end you know so we'll see how it goes uh, for the rest of the season but definitely Betis aren't maybe looking as good as uh, we'd hope them, you know, so far this season. There's still a long way to go. Anything can happen. They can improve. But defensively, it does feel like they will be struggling a bit. And before we move on, sorry, I just wanted to point out from the game that what, what surprised me the most uh, in the stadium was how, uh, when Ferran Torres got substituted, the whole stadium was singing Tiburon, which is shark. <laughs> and it's funny because this apparently is a nickname that he gave to himself so I imagine him one day training with his friends and saying yeah I'm, I'm like a shark so you know I feel like the best moment you know I'm, I'm doing well and his teammates were probably joking around saying si, si, tiburon, whatever making fun of him and now you have a whole stadium literally singing tiburon and some people uh, putting their hand on top of their heads as if it were like um, what do you call it? Unaleta, I forgot the name in English now Fin, um, yeah. Finn, exactly and so it was it was pretty impressive to see and of course he he was impressed himself or I, I think quite shocked to see the whole stadium chanting his name but it's it's incredible how a few months ago even weeks I'd say people were like convinced they Barca should sell him and now uh, everybody loves him so it's pretty crazy how football changes 
Yes, and uh, Xavi, the beneficiary, who now has five, six forwards all competing for those three spots and really in form as well. Um, we will move on now to another huge result, and that was Valencia beating Atletico Madrid 3-0. I really did not see this coming, it has to be said. And even though Valencia and Mestalla are a handful, Ruben Baraja definitely has the support of Mestalla, of that young squad that he's got. Hugo Duro at the double, Aviguera another goal for the youngster there in midfield. Just how well has Baraja done to kind of, yeah, get them moving in the right direction? Because after another summer of, let's not be beat around the bush, a lack of investments, I mean, selling some of their best players. This is a Valencia side that Baraja has been honest, uh, the chairman's been honest, chairwoman has been honest as well, saying we're fighting against relegation. But they looked very good against Atleti here. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how how the tide has, has turned for, for Valencia because, as, as you said, also I, th- I thought they were uh, relegation candidates for sure for me. I mean, I wasn't expecting them to be uh, beating Sevilla, even uh, beating Atletico Madrid. Uh, they got another win against Las Palmas. They were about to win against Osasuna. I think they deserved a bit more in that game. I mean, they, they've been playing really well so far and, and beating a team like Atletico Madrid is never an easy task, you know. And you can just see that Baraja is, is doing fantastically well. He's being capable of, of using the tools he has, making the most out of them, and really uh, working on that youth system, bringing up those players and and making them shine. Because honestly, you keep uh, seeing in a lineup a player you've never heard of before, and it's Baraja just finding a kid that's going to perform and, and help Valencia. So, I mean, it, it's fantastic news for them. I, th- I feel like the fans have really deserved this and, and been wanting some happiness, you know, in, in their lives because it's been really tough all these seasons with, with Peter Lim and, and all the things they've been doing to Valencia. And also, it's, it's a great result because, as a matter of fact, I read that uh, it's the first win from Valencia against Atletico de Madrid since 2014. So that's uh, almost uh, 10 years. And uh, as a matter of fact, it was... Um, Valencia's worst streak not getting a win against another team with six draws and 11 defeats in the last game so they've never been they've never gone so long without winning a team uh, as it happened with Atletico Madrid and Baraja came on to to break you know that uh, very bad run so it's incredible to see them doing so well and also seeing Hugo Duro uh, succeeding for for Valencia and he's also a a player that apparently likes to score many goals against Atletico Madrid because he scored 42% of his goals in La Liga against Atleti five of his 12 goals so um, great result for Baraja's men, great boost of confidence for Valencia and uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can keep this up because at the moment they're really uh, one of the surprises I'd say of the season for sure. Yeah definitely, I mean it, they did get beat off Alaves in their last game, I think they'll still probably be in and around that bottom half of the table but even so like you say it's very impressive and I think we all kind of expressed our doubts about Baraja when he came in because he doesn't have necessarily a brilliant track record mm. but I think right now, even though perhaps that they have less quality than they have in some years, and even though there are still doubts about what they can aspire to now, I think Baraja has maybe made that atmosphere a little bit healthier than it has been in quite some time, even though they're still yeah discontent with Lima. And, well, I think Paco's back on on Wednesday, and I'm sure he will uh, ta- t- tamper down that um, enthusiasm. <laughs> Just sure. c- coming on to Atletico Madrid's. Simeone said this was, I think it was the weakest, if not one of the weakest performances in his time at the club. They were missing a few players. I mean, Rodrigo de Paul and de Paul and a few others were kind of out here. Griezmann didn't really um, get into his groove. Thomas Lamar has come out with an Achilles, Achilles injury, torn his Achilles, so he's going to be out for several months. Ultimately, it just kind of looked as if they were out-competed in this game. And for Atletico Madrid, it's quite a worry, isn't it? 
It's a big worry. Uh, the last part I was on, I was actually saying I, I considered that Atletico would be fighting uh, till the end, you know, to try and win this title. And I think they still have the capacity to do so, but it's really surprising to see how they just dropped off in this game and looked unrecognizable. Even Griezmann, who's been uh, last season superstar in La Liga and it started off pretty well, he had a pretty great game, we could say, a pretty bad game. And I mean, I, I'm hoping it's just maybe a matter of the uh, international break, maybe getting the players a bit more tired, maybe a bit out of focus. We'll, we'll see if that's really the case. But they really need to uh, pull their socks up because the Champions League is coming uh, now right around the corner and they need to get results as soon as possible. So, I mean, they can't really afford to drop uh, points in games like these. And it is worrying to see Le Mar going probably for the rest of the season and uh, they have really no time now to, to find replacements, I guess. So it's going to be tough if, if they can't find a way to turn this round. But uh, I think Simone is a manager that we can all trust. He's been capable of, of going through these tough situations and we'll have to give him some credit and hopefully he'll help uh, Atleti move forward. Yeah, obviously, as we've touched on in previous pods as well, Carrasco now gone, that's a miss. I mean, Sam Molino and he seems to be the one and Rodrigo Riquelme, I think, started as a, as a wing-back in this match, mm -hmm. but it, Javi Galan doesn't seem to have won the trust of Simeone, so there's definitely kind of a few kinks to work out um, for, for Simeone and Atleti going forward, and it's the Madrid derby next weekend, so there'll be very little time to, to work that out before that match. Um, but yeah, a concerning result for Atleti, who had looked very solid, as you say, kind of dark horses in the title race. Coming on to somebody else who, it's not been disastrous so far, but certainly less than impressive. Rafa Benitez, Celta, the first side in Celta history to suffer three straight home defeats to start the season. A 1-0 loss to Real Mallorca. Um, it was Mauricio who got a late goal, uh, kind of, yeah towing in a, a flicked on cross and a big win for Real Mallorca who get off the mark as well um, with Javier Aguirre but Jonathan Bamba had a goal disallowed it was kind of a judge not to have crossed the line Rafa Benitez came out after the match and he's been quite critical of La Liga in general for um, various matters but in this case about goal line technology I mean the ball didn't go over the line I mean based on the camera angles that we have at the very least but Benitez has won one in five against the Nal Maria side that haven't impressed too much so far. Barcelona next, and then you've got a run of Alaves, Las Palmas, and Hitafe, which is going to be really crucial. How do we see the Celta side so far, Roman? Because, I mean, there's been points where they've looked all right, but the results ultimately haven't been great. Yeah, and in the end, uh, results are what matter, you know, and that what uh, decisions are are based upon. Honestly, I kind of feel like they have been quite unlucky uh, in some of these games, like uh, against uh, Mallorca themselves, not just because the goal was so close to going in, but also because they actually generated good chances. They were the better side for me overall. They they could have got a goal there at least or two and won the game easily, you know, but in the end, fortune wasn't on their side. The same goes with against Real Madrid. It was another game where I thought Celta deserved a bit more. They had their opportunities and Madrid were quite lucky in the end to get their uh, single goal that gave them the three points. So it kind of feels like it's just maybe an extra goal missing there or an extra bit of luck uh, going forward towards goal. So it really depends on, on, on if this lack luck sorry in the end favors them at some point or doesn't because if, if it doesn't it's clear that Benitez won't last too long because I mean uh, Celta can't afford to be at the bottom of the standings with a coach such as Rafa Benitez you know uh, and I think uh, the expectations at the beginning of the season were pretty high it's true that of course at the end they did lo lose their their young player who left uh, to uh, Saudi Arabia which was quite a shock I think to everybody but um, still and despite not having him which is definitely a big miss I think that Celta 
should be getting better results, should be getting more points. As you said, it won't be an easy run now, but they have to start adding up those those three points game after game, because if not, it'll get really, really tougher beneath it, and hopefully things will change around. But I think the football they're playing isn't too bad. I think it's deserving a bit more, and, I, and it should, in the end, in my opinion, uh, be worthwhile, and it should provide them certain good results. But we'll see what happens, because football is pretty unpredictable sometimes. More to come from Benitez Celta then. Uh, just running up a couple more results before the Sunday games. We had Athletic Club beat Caddy 3-0 at home. A very decent performance. I mean, uh, Guluceta scored the opener kind of into the second half after they'd missed a few chances, hit the bar a couple of times. And then on his first touch after coming on for Guluceta, uh, Via Libre headed into the net. And Iñaki Williams sealed the win. He was very impressive, man and match. Uh, for my money in that match and it moves Athletic on to three wins a draw and a defeat after a um, pretty lacklustre opening game against Real Madrid and then Friday night Rayo beat Alaves 2-0 an easy penalty and Jorge de Frutos getting his first goal for Rayo um, Alaves were a little bit ponderous on the ball it was driving rain it was stormy weather um, but Rayo ultimately get the three points and move on to three victories and two defeats while Alaves are the opposite Anything to add on those games quickly before we wrap up the first half of the show, Roman? Well, not much more to say, really. I think uh, Rayo were the deserving, uh, got a deserving win in the end because they, they were the better side. Uh, they didn't need a penalty to kind of break through, but in the end, uh, they got the three points. Uh, they deserved an athletic club for me are, are in the typical line with Valverde, you know, starting off really well this season. That's something we tend to see with Valverde. And the question is, will they be capable of keeping this up right until the very end? So we'll have to see. Excellent stuff. We will get on to more in the second half of the show, of course, that big Sunday night partidato, Real Sociedad against Real Madrid. Hitafe got a, a bit of a goal fest win against Osasuna, which many didn't see coming. But if you stick with us, we'll be back right after the break, so don't go anywhere. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST.
Welcome back to the La Liga Lorraine podcast. We promised you the Sunday night partidazo and there was several more partidazos on Sunday to get to, including Pacheta's first win as Villarreal manager, including Sevilla's first win of the season. But there is nowhere else to start than the Santiago Bernabeu, where we saw Real Madrid pick up a 2-1 win, keep up their 100% record, Joselu and Fede Valverde, uh, securing a comeback for Real Madrid, who had gone 1-0 down very early on to an Ander Baranechea goal. Um, Real Sociedad played very well, but ultimately Real Madrid managed to uh, do Real Madrid things and pull off the comeback, Roman. Yeah, I guess uh, it's something we're used to, although I have to say it's the first time ever that uh, Real Madrid actually managed to uh, come back in a game against Real Sociedad when they were winning at halftime. So unfortunately, uh, Real Sociedad didn't keep up this good record they had after winning a halftime against Madrid and lost in the end. But I think uh, they had a very good game, especially the start. You know, they looked really sharp. They got that quick goal. Kubo was incredible. It's a pity that uh, goal he scored got ruled out because, I mean, it was a phenomenal strike. And it felt like uh, Real Sociedad could actually do a bit more damage there and maybe just, you know, uh, get a second goal. But unfortunately, from there on, it felt like they let Madrid take a bit more of the momentum of the game. It, it changed in that sense after the second half. Madrid came on stronger. They got um, that quick goal. And it felt like Real Sociedad were a bit more timid, I'd say, in the second half. Because when they wanted to, they had the quality to have the ball, to move it around, to get uh, past their midfield and generate. But it felt like they, they weren't doing that enough, in my opinion. So I, I thought that, except for the end where they did push a bit more, that Real Sociedad could have maybe shown a bit more of that quality because they're a fantastically well-structured team. They play very good football and for me they have the capacity to, to fight against Real Madrid uh, directly as we saw today. But unfortunately, uh, the result for them wasn't the one maybe they had hoped for. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I think what with Real Sociedad, Imanol Aguacil obviously takes a lot of credit for the way this side plays and they were fantastic in that first half, as you mentioned. Kubo had Fran Garcia swimming. He, he didn't know <laughs> which way to go. Uh, but I thought it was a mistake from Magwathil not to be more aggressive in that second half. I mean, you had Oyarzabal and Bananachea alongside Kubo in that front three. It gave them a certain degree of control in the game, but especially once they went 2-1 down, it was a good 20 minutes before Magwathil reacted. And the likes of Umar Sadiq running in behind would have been a threat. You saw Bananachea get a chance late on before he came off. And, and yeah, I thought they could have gone for Real Madrid's throats more. And more often than not, you see these teams or teams that come to the Bernabeu or, or go to Camp Nou when, when it's uh, still standing. But, um, <laughs> but you see, if they don't go for the kill, if they don't go for the throat, then Real Madrid or Barcelona, in Real Madrid's case this time, they tend to com- complete that comeback because more so than anything, I think it's that the fact that they can fully focus on kind of putting a pressure on putting pressure yeah. on the other side that they can really hem other sides in and get that kind of momentum going whereas if you're attacking and if you're causing them more problems going the other way and um, then it it tends to kind of break that up and uh, i mean credit to them still they did play fantastically and it's a testament to them that carlo ancelotti brought off his only striker he had Jude Bellingham playing left wing for the kind of final stages of the game, and Brian Diaz up front on his own. Luka Modric was brought on. It was really he emptied out everything to just pack that midfield and try and stop La Real, uh, which, to his credit and Carlo Ancelotti's credit, they did manage to do. Um, Union Berlin coming up for Real Madrid in midweek, but 100% record coming off the international break, missing a lot of injured players. 
kind of looking at the season start, it's maybe not been the most impressive, but even without Jude Bellingham scoring this time, Real Madrid are getting the job done, and that's kind of what's important at this stage of the season, isn't it, Roman? Yeah, exactly, and that's something that Madrid have always done really well, I think, uh, getting the job done even when they're not in their best moment. We could say, I mean, their, their start hasn't been very sharp, as you mentioned. Uh, they've really depended on Jude Bellingham to score goals, even though this time, surprisingly, he didn't get one. Uh, but they're they're up there still, you know, they're getting those three points after three points. They're at the top of the standings. Uh, they have enough quality, and it feels like it'll just take them a bit more to maybe get into uh, the form Ancelotti wants them to. Or maybe they'll succumb and not show the level we expect. We'll have to see. But usually Madrid is just capable of hanging on there right till the very end. And, of course, they're going to be a very tough team to, to get past and to win. Yeah, it's interesting. They obviously, at the start of last season, went kind of 10 games. They won all 10, I think, at the start of the season and then hit those struggles before the World Cup. Don't have the World Cup this season, so Carlo Ancelotti will obviously be hoping that um, that kind of, yeah, that drop-off doesn't come, that kind of distraction doesn't necessarily get in the way. And uh, just a final detail on this match, I thought it was really interesting the way that Real Madrid kind of attacked with the ball as well. It was pretty much the same as Barcelona. I mean, there's different players involved. There's obviously Matithes, there's nuances. The way that Bellingham moves is very different to the way that some of the Barcelona midfielders move. But in terms of having those two fullbacks really high and wide, and in Barcelona's case, it was Ferran and Balde. But you had Carvajal and Fran Garcia hugging that touchline. Then you had that kind of free in the middle, Hoslu, uh, Bellingham and Fede Valverde, all kind of moving around and making runs and trying to get in behind um, the fullbacks and Rodrigo as well, sorry. But... But yeah, it was kind of very similar to what I saw from Barcelona with kind of Chouamini and Cruz sat behind them. And then Romeo and De Jong, obviously the parallel for Barcelona there. So so yeah, interesting stuff that both of these teams who, yeah, not necessarily had the best start in terms of kind of performances and being convincing, but in terms of the way they're setting up are, are going for similar things. But I, I will shut up. I am just fresh out of the Bernabeu, so um, <laughs> quite enthusiastic. No um, but moving on, there was another big result for Real Madrid's icon legend, you could say, and that was Sevilla's Sergio Ramos, who returned to the Ramon Sanchez Pizjuan, a 1-0 victory over Las Palmas. It wasn't particularly pretty, but Dori Lucavacchio comes off the bench, he gets his debut goal and, and really kind of enthuses the Sanchez Pizjuan. Ramos gets his perfect return. There's still doubts about the Sevilla, but right now, first one of the season, that's as good as can be hoped for, isn't it, Roman? Yeah, I mean, they needed those three points badly. I kind of felt it was a matter of time. I really don't see the same as last season happening. Uh, and in the end, I mean, they deserve the win in this game, honestly. It's true that the refereeing for me uh, wasn't good. Monuera really had some very bad calls, mostly in favour of Sevilla and uh, against Las Palmas. There was a penalty that for me was pretty clear and uh, the referee gave a yellow card to the to Las Palmas striker and uh, nothing happened there. VAR didn't uh, check anything. And then there were other controversies there that uh, I would just didn't feel like the uh, referee was up to the standard. But it's true that anyway, Sevilla did uh, deserve the win for me. They were the better side. They generated the most opportunities. And it's what's been happening in the start of the season that they're really struggling to get that goal, to, to find... Uh, those important moments that can give them the points they need and uh, it took them quite a while because it didn't come uh, right into the 70th minute when uh, Luke Vacchio Luke, Luke I've never pronounced his name before <laughs> got that uh, winning goal <laughs> but honestly uh, it felt like a matter of time Sevilla have the quality they have the players they have a good manager 
it's just a matter of, of getting those goals and I think it's it's a matter of time in the end but yeah deserved win even though Las Palmas fans as I said won't be happy with how the refereeing went uh, against them yeah concerning signs for Las Palmas who slipped to second bottom with just two points one goal scored this season still um, and it's only Almeria who are below them in bottom place now they lost to Villarreal 2-1 away from home it was Pacheta's first game in charge. He says, I don't know if I'm uh, living <laughs> living the dream, but I am extremely happy. And uh, and, and yeah, I mean, 2-1 for this. In this game, Akiyemi took the lead for Villarreal, eh, for Almeria, sorry. Jared Moreno got the equaliser. And then very, very late on, Alexander Surlock with a header at the back post, finishing off on a brilliant Alberto Moreno cross. Um, Pacheta mentioned this after the game, that this wasn't particularly pretty, that Villarreal didn't necessarily play particularly well and then from my point of view I didn't think that we saw too much that was new from them but first game under Pachetta that win gives him the the chance to kind of say right okay follow me and and we'll get results doesn't it for sure and he has to be careful because we saw what happened with Setien you know after dropping points at the beginning fans were already <laughs> against him so <laughs> this is a massive win for Pachetta I think uh, especially taking into account that Villarreal didn't play very well. As you said, after in the press conference, he was like, no, I'm not happy with how the team played. We didn't have a good performance, but uh, what counts is the victory, you know, and that's what, what they can take home here. And for me, there wasn't many changes. Maybe I did see that they were they were a bit more direct in the sense they were crossing the ball quite a lot to the box, whereas with Setia, maybe they take more of their time to build a play, you know, touch the ball, one-twos, that kind of stuff, which maybe was a bit of more different things I could see. But of course, it is the first game. We can't really jump to any conclusions. It can take time for a manager to implement his ideas and, and get the team to play how he wants them to be. But uh, Villarreal, I have to say, were quite lucky to get the three points in that game, despite, despite playing at home against a weaker side like Almeria, because Almeria did have some very good chances. There was a clear penalty for me on Embarba in the first half, which, again, VAR, I don't know what's happening <laughs> lately, that uh, they're deciding not to intervene, because it was it was shocking how Embarba got passed between two players. It was Capoe and another uh, Villarreal player, who both, I think, even get to touch in Barba's foot, but uh, it is what it is, and it's three points for Villarreal, which is a massive, as we said, uh, boost for, for Pacheta, and we'll see how this uh, continues for them. Yeah, Capoue back in the starting lineup without Setien. You saw Gerard Moreno in the post match interview as well with a big grin on his face. He's saying that they were happier, and um, yeah, he said that he's more comfortable in the position that he's now playing in under Pacheta than he was under Setien. And, Certainly, I mean, we've heard about the kind of bad blood between the squad there and the manager. Um, ultimately, Pacheta will have the backing of the dressing room, it seems, based on at least on kind of Moreno's statements and the way that Raul Albiol gave an interview mm. in midweek as well, saying that it's ridiculous that a dressing room could sack a manager, which um, made me laugh a little bit. But uh, but yeah, Almeria struggling, as I say, bottom of the table. There's four more games before the next international break. Valencia at home, Sevilla away. Granada at home, Athletic away, and I am a little bit concerned about Vicente Moreno's future if things don't go too well in those four games. Moving on to the final game of the kind of weekend, we've still got Granada hosting Girona on Sunday, on Monday night to come, but the final game of the weekend was a 3-2 win for Hitafe over Osasuna. 
Um, really entertaining game, this, it has to be said. I mean, Osasuna hit back twice through Icon Munoz and Ante Budimir. Stefan Mitrovic and Carmona gave them the lead. Maximovic with an 86th minute header from a set piece. Um, good win for Atafe. Also, Mason Greenwood made his debut. Yeah, very good game for Getafe. Very good game for the neutral spectator because, as you said, this uh, is usually the kind of game you think will end nil-nil, maybe one-nil, maximum one-one. You know, you won't get more than two goals, and in the end, you got five goals, which was obviously uh, very good to see. And after Getafe got their first goal, you think that maybe they would be capable of closing down. You know, because we know that Bordalas is a master of you know putting players at the back and and closing those spaces for Osasuna to get their chances but Osasuna were capable of reacting you know they got their goal before um, half time and uh, from there on there was more entertaining football in the second half and as you said Mason Greenwood got his debut um, there was quite a lot of applauding but also quite a lot of boost especially from the Osasuna fans uh, that even chanted uh, it was Mason Moirete I think die which isn't the nicest thing to hear but uh, it's something that I think he's going to have to get used to here in La Liga because a lot of people aren't happy with uh, what's happened in his personal life and I even saw a couple of uh, Getafe fans actually uh, booing or whistling also which was uh, I guess not surprising there might have to be a, a, all sorts of opinions I, I guess in the fan base although you can tell that most of the fan base is supporting him but yeah he had a pretty good performance he actually provoked the corner that would actually give them uh, the winning goal after at the end so we'll see how his future here in La Liga uh, plays out Yes, uh, one to keep an eye on, certainly. Um, and, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see the reception he gets in his first away game. That wraps up for the weekend's fixtures, unless there's anything else that Roman wants to add. I will ask him for his moment of the week, whether there was something that particularly stood out for him. I mean, I'm struggling to find something that I enjoyed more than the storm kind of moving into Vieques on Friday night while it <laughs> poured it down with rain. Um, and watching everyone react to that was was quite entertaining. But uh, f- for me, the thing that I enjoyed most was probably Dake Kubo's performance, that uh, just kind of electric dribbling. It was it was really something to watch. And for 40, 45 minutes, nobody was close to him on the pitch. Um, but I don't know if you have anything that stood out for you, Roman? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to go for the, the Ferran Torres moment because he scored the free kick. First Barca free kick scored since Messi left. So, I mean, that's pretty much a big deal. And then right after the free kick it was scored, he was subbed off. And as I explained before, that incredible singing from the fans of the Diburon for me was something I won't forget in a while. It was super fun. Yes, uh, entertaining night at Montjuic, an entertaining story for Ferran Torres. But we will bring the podcast to an end now. Um, Make sure you subscribe to us on Substack. Subscribe, make sure you're on the premium subscription. We'll have another podcast later in the week. And several articles. I myself am writing the Tuesday article, and I, I think there'll be some Burnabout-related content on that. So, uh, yeah, jump in there. Make sure you're subscribed to us and keep on listening. If not, we'll be back again next Monday, free for your ears um, and and not your eyes, but definitely some, <laughs> some audio content for you. Um, have a good week, everyone, and thank you for tuning in. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.